Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Root of the Science podcast with your girl and with a knee. If you are new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's always so lovely to have new people listen in to the show. And if you are regular, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you as always for tuning in. I love having the regulars come back. Now, if you are already not doing so, make sure that you join the notification gang by following us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to your podcast so that when a new episode drops, you'll be the first to know. You can follow on the various social media platforms at Root of the Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can join the Facebook group, The Root of the Science Podcast. Most importantly, please make sure that you support the show by clicking on the support the show link so that you can help me bring in more episodes for you it is in the episode description box thank you very much now let's get into today's episode my guest today is Tisvi Daya from South Africa she is a PhD student in cancer research at the University of Witwatersrand her research focus is on understanding pancreatic cancer if you do not know this type of cancer is gaining momentum as the number of deaths in Africa are rising and if not taken seriously Seriously, it can become the leading cause of cancer deaths by 2030, which is right around the corner. Tisvi will tell us more about this research and why and so why it is so important that she's doing the research that she's doing. Further, apart from the science, we get to chat about the root of her science. How did she get into into science? in the first place we chat about her academic journey and we also learn more of the human side of Tisvi as she shares with us her passions tune in as we hear about all of this and so much more let's go hi Tisvi welcome to the show hi Anne thanks so much for having me it is such a great pleasure. I'm so excited to chat with you today and for the audience to hear more about you. Now, first things first, can you please give us a brief introduction? Who is Tisfi? Um, where are you currently based? What are you currently doing? Just in brief. Okay, perfect. Um, I'm Tisfi Daya. I'm a 25-year-old South African PhD student, and I'm studying the potential treatment in pancreatic cancer. And I'm doing this at the University of Witwatersrand in Johannesburg. Oh, fantastic. I'm so excited to chat to you about your topic. This is actually the first time I've had somebody do that. So we're going to get into all oh, of that. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get into all of that later. But, you know, before we get into the science, it's always important for us to know you away from, you know, being a PhD candidate because you are mm. a human being away from, not, not saying that you're not a human <laughs> being, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. You know, that you are um, a human being. So you have a passion for dance and, you know, TV art. So I have a question, right? If you could be in a dream show of sort, like if you could like have your own dream show where, you know, you get to be this, the, the star of the show, what would it be all about? Mm, yes, you know, I, I love, you know, dancing and, and TV art, uh, dramatic art. I can't say that I haven't thought about starting like a YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I don't have much experience in either of them, like professionally. 
But I think if I had my own dream show, um, it would either be like a comedy series, like the Big Bang Theory. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Oh, uh, yes, of course, of course. Yes. So I think the Big Bang Theory is actually along the lines that I'd want, because if you're familiar with Amy, she's actually played by a woman who is a neuroscientist in real life. Mm -hmm. So it would be really cool, you know, if Netflix called me up, told me, <laughs> come and play the role of a cancer biologist. Yes. I would happily agree. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yo, Netflix, if you're listening to this, please hit to me up. Her details <laughs> are going to be at the bottom of this podcast. We're putting it out there. Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> no, I, I love that. Uh, so it's like you'd, you'd love to be an actress like, like Amy and, you know, um, so it's not like presenting, it's more like acting wise, right? Uh, yes, but I would actually, I wouldn't mind doing presenting either. I think um, I actually have more experience in presenting than in acting. So yeah, that would be right up my alley. Yeah, I mean, and um, if if Amy is anything to go by, and also I think like Mr. Bean is also like an engineer or something. So hey, girl, yes. there is there is potential. <laughs> you are still only twenty five. There's still a lot of years left in this world. <laughs> so yes, definitely. Any, anything could literally happen. So I'll be so excited like when I see you on our TV screen. So yeah, no, um, I hope that works. Thank out. you. <laughs> I definitely, hope I hope so too. Yeah, no, it's quite interesting that you said even in your acting it would be something scientific so with that being said mm. um you know clearly science is something that's close to your heart right so from the beginning let's let's rewind all the way back to the genesis okay how did you get into science was it something that you've always wanted to do or were there some people who motivated you to get into the space or is it one of those things that sort of happened and you're like oops okay I'm here hmm. uh, what is the root of your science <laughs> yeah so you know and science is a huge domain and you know like in high school I always liked biology which is more focused on the body and cells and the environment but in high school science is also made up of chemistry and physics both of which were not my favorite at all <laughs> so I would say like when I was studying, I was always excited to read about biology and that's how I decided, you know, to go into a BSc, which is a Bachelor of Science. And, um, and then it was only during my undergraduate degree that I realized in simple terms what I really wanted to do, which was to work with drugs and, you know, just see how does it affect cells or bacteria or viruses or plants or animals. Basically, I just wanted to get my hands on some drugs and work with them and um you know by drugs i mean medication and i love all that those disclaimer <laughs> like i love that disclaimer you're like hey i'm not a drug addict <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes um and i think right. that's what influenced the path you know mm -hmm. that i took in my post-grad studies okay. so in hindsight i would say technically i always liked science but i didn't start off knowing exactly where i wanted to be i just knew that science was for me and of course you know um, when I matriculated I had a science teacher who was very passionate about science and I think that's what also brought science out in me a bit more yeah mm -hmm. that's so beautiful um, teachers are honestly a godsend because they really do shape and mold and um, have such a huge influence on um, 
on on so many kids and the careers that they that they get into. So you said that um, in your undergraduate, you were still sort of like you didn't know what science you're doing. So you matriculated, you go and um, pursue what degree for undergrad? So I pursued a BSc general, which is okay. a general science degree at BITS, um, but you get to choose your electives. So I chose more biological subs, um, substances, <laughs> biological subjects. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what I chose. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, okay, no, great. Um, so then you, I think with that BSc general, it gave you a nice feel of like a lot of various different things. And then that's when you're like, okay, this is what I want um, to, to obviously do. So um, in honors, is that when you started to, um, honors and maybe your master's, you started to narrow down your area of expertise? Yes, definitely. Actually, I would say, you know, undergrad is, is obviously very important. I mean, you're getting your degree, but honors was, it was mind blowing for me because that's mm -hmm. when, um, well, at BITS, um, I can't speak for other universities, but for BITS in the honors degree, it's when you actually get to work on an actual research project in a lab, a real lab. So, you know, you pick which lab you'd like to go into based on what field you like and you have to do a project. And that's when I realized there's so much I don't know, you know? And not knowing makes me want to know, it's you no know, curiosity. So I think that's when I really, I, my passion for science grew even more. It was, it was in my honors year. And then masters again, it's, it's almost the same feeling of having, knowing something, but knowing that there's still more to uncover to the story. Mm. And I think that is the whole essence of, um, of being a scientist. It's the, it's the yes. acknowledgement that you don't know everything and you are trying to find an answer to something. And I know even my past, my past lecturers always used to say that, that, you know, because like when you'd go to them and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, yes, you're doing <laughs> science. That means you're doing science because. Exactly. <laughs> honestly, we as scientists, we don't know. We just. Of course, we know to us, we know to a certain extent, and that's why you are doing what you're doing because we don't know what you want to find out. So it, it is, it is mm. quite, it is quite beautiful. Okay, so you finished um, your your honors. You you sort of figured out your um, what you want to do. So what were you specializing in for your masters? So in my masters, I specialized in protein biochemistry. Oh, okay. So that's. Yes, so it's basically um, looking at proteins and seeing how they interact with other proteins, maybe interacting with drugs, the activity, the structure. Um, yes, more biochemical um, methods and techniques. No, that's, that, that's quite interesting. And it, it actually links up yes. to my follow-up question because you're now, doing, okay. you're now doing more of like a, in your PhD, it's more of like a medical sciences um, than a biochemistry science. Am I correct? Um, I wouldn't specifically say medical sciences, um, but it's, it's more of a cancer biology, which is, it is different from protein biochemistry. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So there, there was like a segue. And I think most people specifically, even in academia, not, not away from academia rather, are unaware that at PhD level, heck, even at master's level, you can change uh, like the, your specialization. 
you know, um, where you can do one particular thing and and then do some, you can be in biochemistry and then even go to like, I don't know, entomology, if you find that interesting. And people would be like, how? But like, um, I think people have done it. So for you, you went from biochemistry to cancer research. So how was that sort of shift for you? Um, was there a, a huge difference, um, if any? Um, definitely, it was a huge difference. Mm. Um, I think, so in 2021, which was last year, I completed my master's in biochemistry, as you mentioned. Um, and now I work in cancer biology. So the two fields, you know, I'm not going to say that they miles apart from each other, but the techniques and the theories and, you know, the everyday tasks are very, very different. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, you know, it was extremely overwhelming. I mean, I had to kind of relearn a whole new field while getting used to a, a new team. And, you know, in cancer biology, you work with cancer cells. And of course, for the first few times I killed myself <laughs> and yeah. that was just so chaotic for me. But I think um, the internal pressure that's, you know, coming from myself to get up to speed, it was a bit too much. And, you know, I had to just take it one day at a time. I had to force myself to actually take it one step at a time. So I think the most challenging part was actually feeling, you know, unworthy of being mm -hmm. a PhD student. Because, mm -hmm. you know, at that point in your academic career, it's assumed that you're starting to think more critically about your yes. field and your <laughs> contributions. Yes. And, you know, like having factual opinions on, on things that you've experienced. But, you know, I felt like I was back to square one. Mm -hmm. um, but it's now 2022 and I have a completely new outlook on that part. At least now I'm not killing my poor self. <laughs> um, but, you know, I realize now that I had to retrain in a, a new field, learn new things. And I like to think that I adjusted very well to my new environment. And, you know, I've got techniques and skills and knowledge in multiple fields of research. So I know that when I enter the working world or any other lab or field, I have no fear that I'm not going to be able to cope, you know, or adjust. So... Yeah, you know, it was very tough at first, but, you know, you can't grow by staying in your comfort zone, right? No, for sure. And um, you speak, I, I even relate with that as well, that like when people assume you're a PhD, they're like, oh my goodness, you are so smart to see like what yes. you can become a doctor. And then you're like, I'm so smart. Why am I killing my cancer cells? Like, what, what's wrong with me? You know, exactly. like, what, what is this feeling? Yeah. And you write about that internal struggle. For me, it was also that, that beginning, like, why am I not getting this? Like, what is wrong with me? What, what, what is that thing? And um, I had a friend who is um, finished their PhD and she was like to me, no, and that, that is literally doing your PhD. There's just so many phases for you you literally are like out of your depths. And I think many people, even who are not in academia, when you do something new, of course, the beginning is going to be so overwhelming. Yes. So, so overwhelming. Definitely. And you are like just trying to keep your head above water and you're continuously drowning mm -hmm. and swallowing water. 
but then over time exactly like, okay you know what I'm actually waiting okay you know what I'm actually using my legs okay you know like slowly <laughs> but surely you start to sort of yes. find your balance and um you're right if when and uh when you do move into another lab or into industry uh the working environment mm. you are going to be very well equipped and that's also the beauty of a phd you learn so many other yes. skills um that makes you actually ready <laughs> and also, yes excellent yes yeah and you also just have some like deep internal issues that you also have to come overcome like it, it, it's a lot <laughs> yeah. it's a lot it's but, a uh, lot <laughs> it is <laughs> it's a lot but we get it okay so currently you're a PhD yeah. student um in cancer biology like you mentioned you are specifically mm-hmm. researching pancreatic cancer and your work involves the testing and investigation of several drugs on pancreatic cancer cells to find a perfect combination of these drugs that have a detrimental mm-hmm. effect on cancer cells while not while not causing harm to the healthy cells. Okay, that was a mouthful yeah. from me. Um, so <laughs> I just want you to please just give us an overview um, about your research. Tell us more about it and also just the importance um, behind this research. Okay, um, so what you you know, currently mentioned is is spot on. I work on establishing the relationship between pancreatic cancer and cholesterol. And what role does cholesterol play in keeping the cancer cells alive and moving and most of all resistant? So, um, you know, I'm not sure if you know, but drug resistance is a huge bottleneck in research. It's huge. Um, So I look at specific drugs and some of the combinations of these drugs to see, you know, like you've mentioned, which combination would be the most harmful to the cancer cells, but not that toxic to the normal cells. Um, and I think the importance of this research is trying to curb drug resistance. That's the first one. And also pancreatic cancer is one of the most deadliest cancers because it goes about, it's very sneaky. You know, you, you don't actually notice. There's no symptoms to actually say, that this person has pancreatic cancer until those symptoms become really bad. And then, you know, do, you know, is it a test? So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's also very important to work on early diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. That's also something that is coming, you know, slowly into play um, with precision medicine and, um, you know, bioinformatic tools. But unfortunately, that's not part of my project. But it's very interesting as well. Mm, wow, what what important important work, and especially about um, uh, this pancreatic cancer, like you said. So the drugs mm. that are being developed, um, obviously, it's still in the research um, uh, method uh, in the beginning. Yeah. Um, ideally, when the research is completed, um, at what stage would the person be when they are diagnosed with like? Um, that, okay, they have the severe pancreatic cancer or is it still at early detection um, stage? No, it's severe. So the, the problem with pancreatic cancer um, with, in terms of the diagnosis is that it's normally at the stage where the tumor is now metastatic. So that means that it's, it's been spread or it moves around the body and then it becomes difficult to actually remove the tumor surgically. So then they have to go on you know, therapy, like chemotherapy and, and drug treatments or cocktails, like if you, you may have heard that word before. Um, and basically, the problem with that is then the drug resistance. 
So it's just like problem on top of problem on top of a problem with pancreatic cancer. So um, it would be best if, you know, to diagnose pancreatic cancer early. But like I said, the symptoms, you know, it's, it's so common to that of other infections. It could be just, you know, an inflamed pancreas. It could even be a liver infection. And that's how it's masked during early diagnosis. Yeah. Mm, what? Yo, that, that's really, oh, that's really, really tragic that, you know, so many people yes. um, are, <laughs> are obviously unaware that they have it until it's too late. So, you mm. know, I... I, I fully wish you um, all, of, all of the best um, in developing this drug because it's obviously so important. And I think we've seen yes. nowadays that, you know, they are, I don't know, I don't know if this is the quite correct term to say because of course I'm not uh, in cancer research, but like, mm-hmm. it seems like cancer is on the rise now or is it just more that we are, we have the resources to detect it more or is it just, is it like something common where, one can say that because it just seems like you're hearing a lot more people versus 10 years ago are being diagnosed with various different types of cancers, you know? Yeah, no, I think, you know, um, you know, over the years, it's, it's always been rising and rising and rising. Um, and, you know, like an interesting fact that I actually read a couple of months ago is that if we don't, you know, I'm just focusing a bit on pancreatic cancer. So if we don't, you know, try and solve this, I don't want to say solve the problem, but if we don't, you know, focus on pancreatic cancer now, it may actually become the leading cause of cancer-related deaths in 2030. And that's around the corner. It's you know, it's literally around the corner. <laughs> to listen to you. Yes. Wow. Yes. So, you see, it's just, it's just growing. It's a growing concern. And that's why it's so important to focus on it. It's what all cancers are as important. Though. Of course. Yeah, of course. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, please, guys, do what you need to do because so many people <laughs> are depending yes. on it. That is such a scary statistic. But um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I wish you like all of the best. So, um, yo, sorry. I, like that just doomed and gloomed me for a bit. So. <laughs> sorry (laughs) no but I honestly wish you all of the best to see this sounds like very exciting very innovative research and obviously so important and I'm sure you and your team and all the other people who are working on this are gonna find you know very many exciting discoveries that are going to be useful to um to all of us here right um so I just wanted I just wanted to um move along right so you obviously, in terms of your journey, has it always been um, straight academic or have you worked outside and done some jobs? Uh, because like, you know, with some people, they're like, oh no, once you do a PhD, you haven't had experience in the, uh, what you call it, in, in, the, in the working field. So for you, when you, um, with your journey, has it, have you had the opportunity to, to work outside or um, has it just been a lean, a linear journey of um, studying um, all the way through? So, you know, and so what happened was I just had a straight academic journey. Um, I, was, I was very lucky that, you know, I moved through my degrees quite quickly. So I went through my undergrad, straight into honors, straight into master's and now into PhD. But 
I had to stop for a moment before my PhD started. And that's obviously when I switched my field. Um, and I had to actually think about what I'm doing because I was moving so fast that I didn't actually know where I was going. I was just moving to an unknown place. I had no idea where I wanted to go. Why am I going this way? Why am I doing this? And I think that's also what brought on the whole switch of field because I needed to start really connecting with what I want to do. Um, so I didn't work outside of academia throughout those degrees. But before I started my PhD, I started picking up more um, skills like presenting and communicating. And I started you know, looking at my LinkedIn profile a little bit more carefully, trying to upgrade that. And now I actually do have a part-time freelance you know, job. Um, it's something very small, but it's something very meaningful to me. And it, it gives me a lot of comfort in what I'm doing. Um, basically, I summarize science articles in different fields. So again, you know, switching fields helped me because now I can, now I'm, I can be able to be flexible in different fields as well. Um, yeah, so it, it only started now, but if I could turn back time, I would have definitely looked for something while I was studying. I, I don't think I would have stopped my studies, but I would have tried to find something to fit in with my studies. No, that's, um, that's quite interesting. And um, I love that you had a moment of just like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Because sometimes yeah. being, and you know, sometimes being a, a student who achieves well, and, you know, sort of has good academic record, and you're just going on going on to next, you don't, you don't really realize like, okay, what am I currently doing? Where do I want to go? Because exactly. Yeah. And funny yes. enough, I feel like sometimes the road is sort of like, um, I want to say painted for you and you don't have yes. the autonomy to be like, is this really what I'm doing? Or is it just like, oh, exactly. undergrad, honors, master's, PhD. And then somebody's like, yeah, after this, you do a postdoc. After this, and you, then you become a yes. lecturer. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> is this really what I, I want to do? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What you are saying is the exact same thing that I experienced mm, so mm. It's, it's so true yeah yeah no and it's so important and I love what you said that sometimes there is this thing of like why are you doing a side gig or why are you doing a side job but like you said for you doing this freelance job that you're doing uh, kind of gives you like um, the skills you know it makes you a better scientist as well because you work with other different like you open your horizons and you also see what other people are doing and you know for me I, I had a moment where somebody in my um, academic journey was telling me that what I was doing was also not right like you need to focus on just school but I also had that moment of suffocation of like wait what am I actually doing like where is this going and I've realized how doing these other things is so important because it allows you to also develop all these other, like, you know, um, skills that actually help your PhD without knowing. So I'm always team, do what you need to do. <laughs> yes. And where you, know, you find yourself in the process as well. Exactly. I, I agree with everything that you've said. And I think even, you know, by saying this freelance or, or part-time job, it's not even that you need to focus on a job like mm. in the conventional sense. There's so many other things you can do. You can be a part of like 
community programs mm-hmm. or you know a team in your own unit or institution have a mm-hmm. blog you know be mm-hmm. a volunteer have your side hustle whatever mm-hmm. that is it's it's not just a, it's not about having a job for having a job it's about what are you getting from that job or activity and you know these it's all great for like upskilling yourself um yeah and i mean you know you never know who you may connect with while doing these things and Girl. that could be an opportunity to get a job in the future <laughs> right precisely like you and I on the same wavelength we could chat about this for days yes. <laughs> because um and also just apart from that we live in South Africa right where there is a lot of youth unemployment the world is not like how it was 15 years ago where if you get a PhD you're guaranteed to get a job there are so many you have to be so well aware of your environment you know um it, it like like okay if I give my PhD not saying that you know the job market is actually quite difficult and like you said about networking these small things if I say and I say small or community projects or the things that you do might give you that person who's like oh yeah no I know somebody who's actually doing a PhD in cancer research and there's your job doing something completely random completely random so like I'm always or for that. And I firmly believe that, you know, our generation of scientists, we are such a, I love this term, like the new age scientist, where we are so, like we like a Swiss knife, (laughs) you know, like we have (laughs) so many skills, like be it a YouTube blog, whatever, whatever. And it's so cool because it makes, it makes us who we are. And like you said, it just, it just opens up so many other things. So Oh man, I'm so passionate about this. And I wish more people could have that foresight, if I can say that, because it's really sad. Yeah. You sometimes invest all of your years only focusing on one thing and then you get to the end and then you're like, oh my God, what am I going to mm-hmm. do? Like, that's, that's the point, you know, it's that, it's that that's what ends up happening to a lot of people. They mm. just do this PhD or postdoc, whatever it is. And then they realize they, they didn't do anything else in that time, you yeah. know? yeah so no. yeah I, I agree with you yeah so like I said this is like such a passion like I can speak about this for days like so I'm so glad that you are about this and um you know one of the most important things that um, I love to discuss on the show um while we're talking about finding ourselves and not being so all consumed in our PhD because the PhD obviously has its ups and downs which affects somebody's mental um, health right so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask you in your personal experience not only your PhD heck even just your whole um, academic career because one cannot say that it only starts in PhD because even in like I only look back now and I'm like, oh my goodness, I went through it in undergrad as well, but I just didn't realize I was going <laughs> yes. through it. <laughs> but um, I, just, yes. I just wanted to ask you, like, how do you manage your mental health when you have a lot of things going on and, you know, you're like during those ups and downs, like how do you get sort of center yourself again to be like, you know what, let me try this again. So, you know, I do. Th- I think my mental health is so important, and I also think, for me, it started with PhD. Um, I was lucky that throughout my other degrees, I actually had a very nice experience. But also take into account that those were degrees before COVID, 
So life was well, life was pretty nice. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. <laughs> Before COVID, um, you know, I can honestly I can honestly say that my master's degree as well as my honors was the best years of my life. I had lots of fun. I had a very wholesome experience. So you know, when I started with PhD and thinking about my future and all of that sort of things, it's when you know your mental health can become affected. So you know, I'm sure you know this, but most times when someone is completing their PhD, they generally like 24 years or older. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it differs, you know, in other fields. But you know, during the years, most of our friends and family at this time or around that age, they starting to work and earn salaries. Perhaps they buy their own cars or homes, and then there's us PhD students <laughs> who are living off basic funding some of us are not even lucky to get funding we stress about being overqualified to work we stress about finishing our projects in time Uh, so it just gets very difficult sometimes and you know i'm sure any phd student can tell you this but there's definitely been a few times when i also wanted to quit Mm. and just start working or you know just tell myself that maybe i'll come back after a few years but I am really glad that I stayed because you know doing a PhD you know it's such a personal decision it's it's a decision that only you can make you cannot ask your parents what they think you cannot ask your friends what they think you know it's such a personal decision um yeah so but along with its cons to be honest I can't wait to have a degree that I can use to possibly help you know change the world I mean, some mornings I wake up and I think to myself, wow, the work that I do today can literally be the solution in saving a person's life or giving that person more time to experience life, you know? And, and sometimes that's, that makes it all worth it, you know? And then being overqualified, you know, interestingly, I seen an article that was written in December last year, which is quite recent. And it said that South Africa needs to actually produce more PhD graduates. And I've connected with some pharmaceutical professionals, you know, over the past few months. And they've also said to me that PhDs are now being more sought after because of their skills. So I don't think being, yeah, so I don't think, you know, overqualified will be as big of an issue as it may have been a couple of years ago. I think it's still there, of course, definitely. But um, according to what I've heard, I, I think if you know how to use your PhD, I don't think you would have that problem as such. Um, yeah, but you know, in terms of mental health, although there are times when it gets really, really tough, um, I just like to think of how far I've come, especially me switching and coming from a different field and how far I can go. And it always gets me through. But I'm sure you can definitely, you know, relate to those experiences. Oh, for sure. For sure. They are (laughs) (laughs) like that size says it all, but we try again. Yes, we we try again. And um, I love what you said about it being such a personal issue because it honestly Mm. is. And I think that's what I'm starting to learn in my second year PhD, because 
you know the first yeah. year was all exciting like oh my goodness I'm doing a PhD like oh yes yeah. but now like like you yes. said we're doing a PhD in COVID times which is just insane in its own sense and and then things are not mm. working as you know as they were meant to deadlines are not necessarily being met and you're like oh my gosh you know yeah. so now it's that moment where you sit with yourself like surely I should just give up but then you, like you said you give you you sit back yes. and you're like okay but I've done two years <laughs> like do I you are yeah exactly too late now uh, like do I start again so um yeah we just try once yeah. again and um yeah no it's 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 a very much a personal decision um Tisfi, as mm-hmm. we are wrapping up um you yeah. know while we are on this I just wanted to ask you with that with everything that you've said when you've shared to us your journey and all of you know your highs your lows um what is that one piece of golden advice or golden nuggets that you'd like to impart on somebody who's listening, be it who's inspired by your journey in science or just in life um, generally? Okay. Um, what I would definitely say is in science, you need passion, you need direction, and you need execution. So I, I strongly encourage the youth to enter the STEM field. It's such a beautiful field in science in specific I can only talk about science of course science is just one of the most amazing fields you know as a PhD student and I know as a scientist there will never be two days that are the same in the past three months of 2022 I've not had a day that's the same Um, if you're interested in being a scientist you know having the passion the direction and execution is important so In terms of direction, you know, that's knowing where you want to go and how to get there. So the earlier you know this, the better. And once you know where you'd like to end up, it becomes so much easier to talk to people who are already there. You know, try to get someone to mentor you or to guide you. Those are such great tactics to learn more about science, to learn more about the real world. Um, And I think that that is a really golden. a golden you know tactic to mm. use mm. and you should then be perfectly fine and also you know if you are interested in science in in specific you should join or engage in science communication i mean that's something that i started exploring in my first year of phd mm. and it's opened up some really great opportunities for me like for example like this podcast it's mm. so nice to you know communicate and talk about science mm. so yeah, I think science is definitely the way forward, of course. Um, and I'm always open to help anyone with information or guidance if they need it, especially um, the youth. Mm. But I think just having that direction, I would say, is the most important thing in science. Because, like, I mean, like we've mentioned before, you can end up just going and going and going and going yeah. and getting all these degrees, and then you yeah. don't know what to do with it, yeah. you know? Mm. no I hear you I hear you so much to see and thank you so much for that wonderful piece of advice and definitely if somebody does want to connect your details are going to be in the show notes so please send her a message 
on Twitter as well. She answers her DMs. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or wherever else. Um, so please do so. I can attest to that. So um, yeah, uh, with that being said, to be, oh my goodness, I loved our chat so much, but we've come to the end of the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. I had such a great time. Thank you so much, Anne, um, for giving me the opportunity to come here. I loved it. Um, and I love talking about these issues. I think mm -hmm. more and more people need to hear the issues that we face as scientists. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And to everybody else thank who's you. tuned in, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Root of the Science podcast with your girl, Anne with an E. Until next time, goodbye. Mm -hmm.